This week on Morbidly Intoxicated, we bring you the murder of Maddie Clifton. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Hey, want to grab a drink? Hi, Sierra. Hi, Lily. I haven't said that to you in forever. I know. Because we're all recording these on one single day. One day. We're here all day for you folks. A whole 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) We've been here since midnight. Since midnight. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you guys. You know what we need to do? What? We need to do a drunk recording. A drunk or like one of our ironically morbidly detox ones we should be drunk for. Oh my gosh, that'd be fantastic. That would be hilarious. Um, this other local podcast called um, The Bad Apple Divas, mm-hmm. they're located in Phoenix and we're hoping to do like a collab with them soon. They have like alcohol every time that they record. They were like, it makes it more fun, but also like more hard. Like it's harder to, yeah. to record. We should do a drunk episode with them. Oh! <gasps> That would be I, so fun. I will message them after this because that sounds like, fantastic. Let's all get wasted <laughs> and come <laughs> record. I don't know if I've ever been uh, maybe tipsy during one of our yeah uh, during one of them I was, but yeah. we I only really have like one glass. Yeah, I mean this is like, well I only poured like a quarter of a glass, so this is my second quarter of a glass. Yeah, because <laughs> normally one of us has to go home so. All right, so I'm going to tell you about Maddie Clifton. I'll go ahead and put in disclaimers when I'm getting to, like, super crazy details in this case because Mm -hmm. this one's, like, super rough. And like I told you, a lot of these cases don't give me, like, the heebs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I was listening to Morbid do this one because I was like, oh, that name sounds familiar, and so I was listening to it. It got to one point where I was like, nope, heebed out. Heaped out. Heaped out. <laughs> I don't like it. Gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. I was like, no. So this one, this one kind of shook me a little bit. I was like, oh. <laughs> and let's get to and tweet, it. tweet, tweet, tweet. Like we said on our last episode, it's a nice day outside. You're gonna hear the birds. Yeah, we're recording all these episodes on the same day. It is what it so is. So these like four episodes. They're going to have some tweets in the background. They're going to have some tweets. They're going to have some cars. They're going to have a washer and dryer. <laughs> They're literally on the other end like, what birds? I know. <laughs> but what we're birds? like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you guys are fucking nuts. It's fine. <laughs> Damn drunkards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give it to me. Okay. Madeline Ray Clifton was born June 17th, 1990 to Sheila and Steve Clifton. They lived in a tight-knit community located in Duval County, Florida. Maddie was a fun-loving girl who lived with her loving parents and sister, Jessie. Only being a few years apart, Jessie and Maddie were best friends. So Maddie was 8 and Jessie was 11. Okay. And that's around the time she disappeared, or the ages. Maddie was also friends with many of the neighborhood children and would often go out and play with her friends. They lived in kind of like a smaller community, so everybody kind of knew each other. Mm -hmm. 
On November 3rd, 1998, however, Maddie didn't return home and was reported missing. Within the next few days, more than 100 people from across northeast Florida came to help search for Maddie, searching the neighborhood, passing out flyers, even looking through dumpsters. There was a constant string of police officers stationed at the house since the family was worried about someone taking Jesse as well. Mm. Just because they were they were around the same age. Right. They were like, I don't know who did this. We don't know if it was somebody in our community. Let's just go ahead. And they had a police officer on standby. Police also blocked off an area where they could conduct interviews of the neighbors. On top of police and the amount of people that came to search for Maddie, there was also a lot of media attention around this case, so reporters were there quite often. The case was so publicized that even the National Guard had troops aiding in the search for the missing child. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was only gone for a week. I'll just go ahead and say that right now. Spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> no. she, she was only gone for a week, and they had so much media attention and all that brought around her Mm -hmm. everyone was looking for this girl for seven whole days yeah i'm in the national guard that's crazy i know about a week later right after the cliftons finished a morning show interview where they asked maddie to come home a neighbor came running towards one of the police officers stationed right outside the house she told the officer when she went to go clean her son's room because he had three large birds Mm -hmm. So she was like, oh, it's just the birds. He forgot to clean the cage. I'm going to go in there and help him. She said she found a wet spot on the floor and thought she might have to drain the bed. She thought there was a leak somewhere with water beds. It's really common. Mm. Um, She went to do some investigation on the leak when a white sock caught her attention. When she pulled the sock, it didn't budge. So she removed the tape that was stuck to the corner of the bed and the sock fell. She reached for it again, but this time, she felt something cold in the sock. She went to grab a flashlight to take a closer look, which is when she ran out of the house towards the officer. When he went to go check the house, under the bed was Maddie Clifton. So her body was under the waterbed? Yeah, so I don't know if you remember waterbeds. They're not really a thing anymore. Yeah. Not that I know. They're just not practical. (laughs) No, they're not. They leak all the time. And they're so hard to move. Like, they are. You have to drain the entire thing. Oh, yeah. So when I was moving, we had a waterbed, and we had to run a hose from the second floor where our waterbed was all the way down out the window so we can kind of, like, drain it. That is awful. It was so terrible. It was it was the worst thing to move. We ended up just throwing it away. But, yeah, sh- so with a waterbed, it's, like, three slats, and then you have your um, headboard, mm-hmm. and your waterbed kind of sits on top of it. So it has, like, space underneath so it can move and flow and whatever. Yeah. So he had, like, a little, almost like a cubby that she was found in. That's horrifying. I know. Well, and the mom thought it was goddamn water leaking out of the bed. She was so decayed. Oh. And it smelled, but he had, like, the three birds, so everyone just saw he, like, didn't clean the cages. Yes. The uh, the police actually immediately left the house and went to go arrest 14-year-old Joshua Earl Patrick Phillips for the murder of Maddie Clifton. That's a fucking name. <laughs> what? That's not the longest name ever. <laughs> Josh, what is Earl Patrick Phillips? Joshua Earl Patrick Phillips. Okay, so Morbid talks about this too, how it's like three first names, you're like definitely a serial killer. Four first names, don't even go near that kid. Jep. <laughs> 
Jep. It spells Jep. No. <laughs> Don't talk to that kid. Why you got four first names? I I don't know. I feel like his parents were. <laughs> yeah, I wish people Lily, could see yeah, this. Yeah, I wish they could have seen you. Just do this, like, prissy little body shake. I don't even know what the fuck that was. <laughs> I'm dead. Um, so I was reading this article titled... Whoa. I was reading this article titled, Lives Go On After Disappearance, Death of Maddie Clifton. And I read that as the police were going to Josh's school to go and arrest him, parents from Maddie's Catholic school that she went to raced to pick up their kids so they could they could just, like, hold them. Oh, my God. They were, like, crying and they were worried. And they did go to different schools because Maddie was eight and Josh was 14. Mm-hmm. So after they arrest Josh, they brought him in for questioning, and this is his timeline of events that he told police. Okay. Okay, for this next section, I'm just going to put in a trigger warning because it's going to get pretty graphic. He said that Maddie came over to play baseball, but he told Maddie to leave because he was doing chores while his parents weren't home, and he wasn't allowed to have people, you know, over when, when his parents weren't there and he was supposed to be doing chores. Right. Maddie left, but she came back a little while later, and he said, you know what, fine, let's, you know, let's play catch, whatever, and when my parents are close to coming home, you need to leave. Okay. This is when he accidentally hit her in the head with the ball, uh, which is when she started crying. He was in such a state of panic about his father coming home and seeing him playing with another kid, and he had accidentally hurt this child, that he dragged Maddie into the house... When Maddie wouldn't stop crying, this is when he took a baseball bat and over his head swung down and hit her in the head. I don't have a reaction to that. Okay. I, was, <laughs> I don't even know how to... I was waiting. What the fuck? When that didn't work, he stabbed her in the neck twice. This kid's 14. Yeah, this kid's 14. I'm gonna go into a whole backstory about Josh, but I liked that silent scream that you just had. <laughs> I hope it picked up a little bit. Oh, it probably did. She had finally stopped crying, so he removed that panel of his bed, shoved her under the bed. So he went to go clean up, because when he had those overhand swings, blood had splattered up onto his ceiling all over him. It was on his ceiling fan. That's how the detectives found out that oh it, that the overhand swing was, was true. Yeah, from the cast-off patterns. Yeah. Ugh. When he came back... He thought she was still moaning, so he took Maddie out from under the waterbed and stabbed her another nine times in the chest and abdomen area. What? This kid is 14. That's where I can't get past it. Like, how do you... I want to record some of your actions. I know. I feel like it, like half the time I just don't have anything to say. I just make facial expressions. It's just a visceral reaction. How does this correlate? Like, how do you think, like, I wasn't supposed to have anyone over and she's crying and she's hurt. I'm gonna I'm get gonna, in trouble for that. Right. I'm gonna hurt her more. Like, hurt I'm gonna her murder more. her so I don't get in trouble. Literally. On one hand, it's, it is like an immature thought because an adult would be like, I have to just take responsibility for my actions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's such a mature thought to think, let me just beat her over the head with a baseball bat and stab her. It's a we- <laughs> it's it's such a weird like, How do you reaction. get there? How do you make that choice? He put her back under the waterbed uh, and kept her there for seven days. Oh my god. He slept right above her, like, 
rotting body for seven days to the point where like she was oozing like i don't I, yeah the, uh, uh. but sorry. like it is true because his mom found like a wet spot which would be like yes from her decaying body that's you like a lot of fluids that's like how decayed she was yeah okay so that smell that the mom was smelling was from maddie right and I was reading that he tried to cover up the smell with air fresheners and those little, like, Glade plugins. <laughs> How? I, it's a dead body. You don't cover up that smell. With little Glade plugins. Bro, we had, like, a big desert rat die underneath our house <gasps> in our crawl space, and it took us, like, a month to get rid of that smell. Oh, that's so gross. And that was just a little rat. Well, now, hold on. You just said big. Well, okay. I mean, compared to a human body, it was, like, big for a desert rat, but it's still, like, the size of, like, a rat. But, like, you have a human body under your bed, and that's in one room. Like, that's... And his room was probably tiny. A rat under our house. Yeah, and your house is pretty... Like, it's not huge, but it's pretty big. But, I mean, for, like, a rat. Yeah. I don't know how the whole house didn't smell. Yeah, literally. His room had to have smelled horrendous. Okay, so at this point, we're all caught up where Josh's mom had touched Maddie's foot and ran out to the police. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little backstory into Josh, and I know what you're thinking. Fuck Josh. Yeah, I'm like, okay. So Josh was also a happy kid, and he had no prior acts of violence, but he wasn't the innocent kid that everyone thought he was. According to teenkillers.org, Josh watched uh, very violent porn which uh depicted children what year was this again uh 1998 1998 yeah the internet was new real new yeah that was like that's horrifying to me i feel like i shouldn't have to explain this to too many of our listeners but dial-up internet was like connected to your phone line so if you needed to use the internet it took like a whole like five minutes to boot up or more depending on your computer yeah and it made this lovely noise where it's like I love that we just chose to mimic the noise of dial up internet. Hold on, I think I can pull that up. Oh my god, for real. It took forever. Like, you had to wait for your internet to pull up. And then everything was so slow. And there were like five websites. Here we go. So, like, where the fuck? Oh my god. The nostalgia of that. Just for people that don't remember, there we you have go. listeners here that have probably never heard that noise before. I'm hoping it's not many because <laughs> of the age range, but I don't know, like, even, um, like, I'll listen to Morbid sometimes, and Ash, who's around our age, she might be, like, a year older or a year younger, I can't remember, yeah. she was like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, what? What? It wasn't about internet, it was about something else, but I was like, That's huh? crazy to me. Right, like, people who were born in 2000 can drink this year. And half of them probably have never heard the dial-up internet sound. <laughs> no offense, I mean, it's just how the arrows work, but that's so weird to me. Yeah, so I don't know, I don't know where he was getting this. Why did it make that sound? I mean, I'm, I'm concerned, I'm like, why did it ever make that noise? <laughs> so horrible. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't you have played me, like, hold music while you tiled up the internet? Oh, no. <laughs> But yeah, I'm like, where is he watching this porn? So it was made public in the court hearing that Maddie was uh, found in only a shirt that was pulled up almost kind of like around her neck and socks. 
Her underwear and shorts had been thrown behind her under the waterbed. And that means that he had to have taken those articles off, thrown them behind her, and then put her in the bed. So the clothes would have gone in first. I don't want to know. He had said that when he was dragging her into the room, that her shorts and underwear fell off from, like, dragging. You know how, like, I don't know if you that and- That doesn't- No. You, no. no. I well, but I don't know if you and your sisters had ever done this. Well, you don't really have carpet in your house either. We used to, yeah. Oh, Okay. You would, like, pull each other on the carpet and your, like, shirt would come up or whatever. Right. But. I mean. But not your your shorts and your underwear over your shoes? Yeah. And why did he take them off then? Like, they would have been around her ankles. I don't think they would have come all the way off. No. Why didn't he put them back on her? Wasn't she also, she was awake when he dragged her into the house. She Mm -hmm. was crying. Yeah, so his story doesn't make sense there. That doesn't add up. She would pull her pants up. Yeah, exactly. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I don't like it. The courtroom was also made aware that just 30 minutes before the attack on Maddie, Josh had watched porn. I mean, like, I I don't know what to do with that information just because, like, what's that supposed to mean? I think it was more building, like, a character statement. Yeah, or articles like to make cases like horrify you you know what i mean like articles like to provoke emotions so they're like also well i mean that's this tidbit just to make it seem even more yes in court it was disclosed what detectives had found in his room Mm -hmm. among those things were books on devil worshiping and witchcraft bloody sneakers covered in maddie clifton's blood a baseball bat covered in blood the knife he used to stab Maddie thrown like across the room so it was kind of like he almost tried to hide it in a panic Mm -hmm. a pair of unidentified panties so they weren't Maddie's they weren't his mom's like it just a pair of panties blood splatter on the ceiling fan which indicated the overhead swing of the bat the missing person's flyer for Maddie Clifton and a picture stolen from the Clifton household of Jesse Clifton doing some sort of like gymnastics, like backbend, and that was taped to his bed frame. What? I don't know if his mom just like never went into his room or like. Or was like hidden or something? Yeah, was hidden. He had the missing person's flyer. He had the missing person's flyer, and he also convinced himself that he didn't kill Maddie. Everything was fine, and he actually went out and looked for her. Which we see that a lot, but it's more for the the thrill of the killer, like, right, oh, you're looking for me. Yeah. Also, Josh was obsessed with Jesse, Like, obsessed. Her parents actually told Josh he couldn't come over for a while, and he even went so far as to talk to both of the girls about sex. This is just a, a speculation. Nothing has been confirmed. But in Jesse's room, there were small holes that were covered by posters in her walls. And people think it could have been Josh that had, like, crawled in between the paneling. Oh, that gave me chills. But there was no physical evidence to put him there, so it was just an allegation. Like, they could not prove that it, it was him. That's creepy, though. But I, I mean, like the idea of that. But I mean, she, like, she was missing this picture from the house. I stole it from their home. Mm-hmm. Fuck no. So, medical examiners confirmed that there were three separate attacks. Three blows to the forehead that would have been fatal 30 minutes after impact. Two neck wounds that perforated her windpipe. Officials say that it caused her to drown, basically, in her own blood. Oh my god. And then nine stab wounds to the chest and abdomen that were inflicted post-mortem. So I think that noise that Josh interpreted as her, like, still moaning, I think it might have been, like, there's a word for it. Yeah, it's called, like, 
like a some people call it like a death sigh yeah your body like releases gases after you die yeah so here's the timeline for after they arrested josh So on November 16th of 1998, the prosecutors announced that they were going to try Josh as an adult for the severity of his crime. They were also asking for murder in the first degree, which is a little... I don't know about that one. November 19th, grand jury indicts him on the count of first degree murder, and he is moved from the juvenile detention center to the Duval County Jail, where he awaits trial. He was there with like 60 other men. January 13th, 1999, uh, was when Maddie's autopsy was made public, showing she died from multiple blunt force impacts to the head with multiple fractures. There was no evidence of sexual assault. Okay. April 22nd, Judge Charles Arnold decides the trial needs to be moved to Polk County, about 200 miles away from where they originally were, uh, because the case had been so publicized locally. That makes sense. Yeah. And with that, the trial began on July 6th of 1999. It only took them two days to go ahead and conduct the trial and come up with with a sentencing. The trial had concluded on July 8th, and the jury found him guilty of murder in the first degree. Wow. On August 20th, 1999, Josh Phillips was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And normally in Florida around that time, first degree was accompanied with the death penalty. Hmm. But because he was a minor, it was lowered to life without parole. It's either life or... Or death. Or, yeah. It's literally life. It's either life in prison or the death penalty. Depends on the state. And the prosecutor. Yeah, but because he was a minor, they took it right off the table. Yeah. So February 6th of 2002 is when Josh's first appeal was denied because life in prison wasn't deemed cruel and unusual punishment for his crime. I feel like you have a comment. (laughs) I'm trying to wrap my head around some of it. Okay. Uh, Let me go through the rest of the timeline. Yeah, why don't we finish it and I will form my opinion as we go. Okay. (laughs) November 17th of 2017, Josh is now 33, and he gets a new sentencing hearing due to the Supreme Court's new ruling, stating that minors cannot automatically be sent to prison for life. This new hearing results in the same ruling as the first trial, life without parole. Maddie's dad, Steve, is quoted as saying, Josh is a monster in my mind because normal people don't kill their playmates. While the Florida senator, which I found out was actually Jeb Bush, had a different opinion. He said, we have to start recognizing that children are not just short adults. What happens if an eight-year-old shoots somebody? Do you put them in prison for the rest of their lives? Under current Florida law, you can. I'm sorry, I think that's wrong. I think I can agree with that. I feel like I can half agree with that. It depends on the case. Right. Everything's a case-by-case basis, but Mm -hmm. I think that our justice system fails to realize that sometimes. I feel like there's a lot of blanket statements that Mm -hmm. shouldn't be blanket statements. Yeah. Josh has done very well in prison for his time there. He has his high school diploma and now has a job as a criminal law clerk helping his inmates. Despite his young age when entering prison, he was never sexually assaulted. Josh was quoted saying, I don't know. I don't think I have the answer. Maybe I should get some kind of counseling or something to find out what's wrong with me. Josh's next appeal is going to be as soon as 2023. Hmm. So it's coming up here in two years. Okay, and before okay. you uh, <laughs> before you jump in and analyze, we're going to take a break. Are you trying to create a podcast but don't have the money for all the equipment it takes? Maybe not so great with all the editing? 
Not sure how to distribute your podcast once you have everything recorded? Well, look no further because Anchor is here to help. Anchor is the easiest way to make podcasts. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer or phone. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And best of all, it's free. We looked at so many different distribution websites before finding Anchor and wish we had found it sooner. They even set you up with sponsors they think will fit the vibe of your podcast, which you can accept or decline at any time. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy Happy podcasting. podcasting! And we're back. Go ahead. Oh, Lord. Where do I start? Because, first of all, where did they get first degree? That's what I was kind of confused about, too. I'm very confused. There's no premeditation. No. I feel like, if anything, it should have been second degree. I feel like that was just a total misstep. Yeah, I don't understand how they got there. If it had been Jesse Clifton, you yes. could have done that because yeah. of the photo. Mm-hmm. But because it was Maddie, where is the premeditation? My only thinking is that it came from the fact that he had time to decide instead of getting help like a normal person i'm just gonna hit her in the head with a baseball bat that's the only thing that i kind of think as well because when we were talking about rose larner Mm. you know her friend had time between the murder and everything to say well now wait a minute right (laughs) like let's not do this yeah i could see the premeditation there i'm still like surprised by it though because i think a lot of people wouldn't go for first degree do you know what constitutes as premeditation because i had read a few different things that said first degree can be like like in an instant so it can and that's where i'm thinking they get that but it's kind of hard like prosecuting it's any any form of intent okay so it can be split second like if you see someone like you are in a walmart parking lot and you see someone and you're like, I'm going to follow that girl home and murder her. Okay, that's, that's technically premeditation. Yeah. Because then you have the drive to her house, following her home, whatever. Right. But it's a 14-year-old boy. Um, I just... So, I don't know. I Within the legal system, that would count as premeditation because he had the time. But I'm still, like, a little shocked that they chose to prosecute a 14-year-old for that. And I think that that is a big problem in our justice system well i mean even in the uk and i know they have different justice systems mm. but the two boys that murdered uh jamie Bolger, mm-hmm. they were only held in a correctional facility until they were 18 mm-hmm. and that was a correctional facility yeah i it don't was like a re like rehabilitation, rehabilitation. Yeah. yeah like there just has to be a difference there and i think that's where we fail is because they don't look at it the same like and i think 14 and 16 are two completely different ages. If a 16-year-old had done the same thing, I would have a different opinion, personally, because you're at, you should be more at an age where you're like, this is wrong. Like, 14, right. I get 14 is a little old for, like, some things, but, yeah. but that's, like, literally within psychology, that's, like, a cognitive year of, like, learning things like that, like, impulse control and, right. and stuff. Well, and, you know, your brain's not fully developed, uh, developed at least with men mm. until they're like 25 yeah they're not like fully matured until 25 yeah in a lot of ways but yeah. it's like 
a 14 year old is not gonna understand things the same way no that's like my brother because my brother's 13 and i just i couldn't i don't know i couldn't picture him making that choice no i could not not just because of who he is because he's so young like sometimes he can't even decide what to eat like he's not gonna make a split decision like that right you know he's not gonna understand the full Mm. weight of his actions no at 14 because i feel like when you say 14 you're like, that's kind of old. But, like, think of a 14-year-old or a 13-year-old that you know personally. Yeah. Do you think that, like, how do you think they would handle a situation? He's terrified he's going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know what to do. And maybe he has been watching violent porn and he's at a susceptible age. I'm not going to be that person that's, like, yeah. <laughs> going to blame the porn. But you have to understand, like, how 14-year-olds not going to know how to react. I kind of want to, I kind of want to say something. And people are going to be like, are you kidding me? Do it. i know child porn is fucking disgusting it's terrible but i will say for his age it makes sense yeah i would say that too because he's 14 so he doesn't necessarily view them as children no you normally people who i mean unless you're a pedophile which i hope you're not like (laughs) you're usually watching porn of people your Your age. age yeah so him watching porn of a 10 year old at 14 isn't really like this big thing that sounds so bad but like it does but i like right i was reading uh, it you could obviously say that could lead to like he could could have been stuck watching that type of porn for this was like because he's too young to be watching that in the first place right it's not as atrocious considering his age right and that's what i was thinking when i was like reading up on this i was like they keep like emphasizing the fact that it's child porn and i was like i get why they're doing it Mm -hmm. but i also like took a step back and i was like now that i'm fully disgusted (laughs) right i was like oh it would make more sense yeah because a 14 year old watching adults have sex would probably seem a little like gross to him yeah you know like when you were a kid and you'd watch your parents kiss or even like your older siblings and you're like ew but i'm like, still like that but then like you'll go to uh, i don't know other kids would like go to school at fourth grade and kiss their girlfriend or something and yeah like so i don't think that that is i think it makes sense given his age i'm a little disturbed no i'm a lot of disturbed about the missing person's flyer hanging in his room i'm while you have her dead body under your bed I was also kind of, like, disturbed by the fact um, that he had thoroughly, like, 100% convinced himself that he didn't do it. Right. And he was out looking. It's kind of like um, compulsive liars. Like, they just make things up in their heads, mm-hmm. and then it's fact. That's some mad dissociation there. I don't know. There, It seemed like he had almost, like, a split personality because everyone knew him as this, like, quiet young very sweet boy but then he had this i don't want to say like sex obsessed but like kind of obsessed personality towards him i wouldn't say that also makes sense but my brother makes a lot of like (laughs) like sex jokes (laughs) right well he's 13 he's 13 that is honestly normal for his age yeah oh my every about to hit puberty or (laughs) is hitting puberty he oh my he cracks me up yeah I think, too, though, that can speak to his cognitive ability. Mm -hmm. That a 14-year-old was just, like, completely disassociated from it and was like, no, I didn't do that. I can... I was... He was able to convince himself that he didn't commit a horrific crime. Yeah. That shows his cognitive abilities to not understand his actions, to not be able to cope with his actions, that he convinced himself 
it never happened right he's <laughs> i feel like when you're that young at least for me like i didn't even understand death if that yeah. makes sense because like i had um someone in my family die when i was young and i didn't cry and i like didn't understand it we just like didn't see her anymore and i feel like that's how my brother was when my grandpa died mm-hmm. like he just didn't associate with it yeah like he understood that my mom and i were really sad and he understood why but he was more sad that we were upset yeah it doesn't yeah it didn't like it doesn't make sense at that age no it's not something that you really comprehend so i could see that okay so i have a question Mm. this is our re-record because i had wanted to add more stuff yeah i wanted to add more things do the additional um facts kind of sway your opinion because i know at the end of our first record i was mad about the sentencing (laughs) yes (laughs) are you less mad are you understanding it more um have you come to terms with it did you check the terms and agreements (laughs) who reads the terms and agreements (gasps) wait um that's how you get human centipede (laughs) (laughs) have you ever seen south park (laughs) no you know i haven't Oh yeah. I refuse to watch that one. Really? Disgusting. It's such a good movie. Garbage. I hate gore of any type. Oh. That's disgusting. No, this one's more like, you only see like a little bit of it. It's more like psychological. Sounds horrific. Do you like me? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway. Do I feel different about the sentencing? I'm going to say no. No? Because I'm going to get up on my soapbox. (laughs) get up on I swear me I'm, I'm getting up on my soapbox that was you stepping up yeah okay okay so i listened to the morbid episode of this because mm-hmm. um, i couldn't get over the sentencing and i needed to hear more about the case and i love them but i had a big problem with their opinion oh no <laughs> so don't come for us because we still love you i would love to talk to you about it though so oh can we email you <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm done interrupting go on oh my god shut the fuck up Lily. sorry Okay, so they said at the end of their episode, they talked about, like, a quote of Josh's where he said, like, um, during one of his appeals, like, I did a horrific thing, and I'm sorry, and I can never bring your daughter back, and I recognize that now and everything. Mm -hmm. And they were like, fuck you. (laughs) I was like, oh, what? Okay. Once again, not coming from Orbit, because I love them to death. I'm just having a counterpoint to their argument. So they basically said, like, like, fuck you. No one cares that you're sorry. Like, that doesn't change anything. And I have a yeah. big problem with that because then where does rehabilitation come in? Why do people even get appeals? Yeah. If you're convicted, then you should just fucking stay in prison because you can't change. Like, that was kind of the point they took. It made me so mad. Because I'm like, this is a 14-year-old boy. Yeah. I understand when you're a 30-year-old. And you do something like this, even if it's just one fucked up murder and you spend life in prison, but you were more aware of your situation. You were able to make those thoughts and those choices. So that's different. But sentencing a 14 year old to life in prison, I disagree that that isn't cruel and unusual punishment. And our justice system is built on rehabilitation. Yeah. And everyone wants to be like, people can change and they can get better. Except but for pedophiles. Then, right, exactly. I was going to say that, except for sexual offenders. But we all want to have that hope, and so many people in the legal system and everything want to mm-hmm. have that hope, and then someone does something like this, and they've been apologizing for it ever since, and they're like, well, fuck you. Yeah. Where does... How does that correlate? And it made me so mad when they said that, because they also said, like, the fact... <laughs> this is so bad, I'm going to knock angry, because I love the morbid girls, but... 
they said the fact that he had no predisposition to violence makes it worse. I don't agree and with I that And I don't one. agree with that. They said, this, this is like almost a direct quote because I don't remember exactly how they said it, but they said basically, because he had no predisposition to violence, no one knew that he was capable of this, what's to say that he won't get out and reoffend? Because no mm. one could see it coming. Um, that's kind of... Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> you, I'm sorry, ladies. First of all, that's the risk we take with letting anyone out of prison. Yeah. Is, and they literally go through, they're supposed to go through counseling and, and that then they look at things, the counselors, the therapists, psychiatrists, everybody looks at the chance of what they call like their recidivism rate, which is their likelihood to repeat mm-hmm. their offense. And, it, and they that give statement like just a... made me so mad because it's like, we might as well just call everyone hopeless. If you're going to say, because we didn't see it coming, we can't trust him. And right. then if you do see it coming, you can't trust them. My biggest thing is that our system is meant to be built on rehabilitation. And the fact that they that he ha- has been a model prisoner, which I know doesn't mean anything because it's a completely no. different environment. It like, is, Like, if yeah. you're in a controlled environment, you're con- being controlled. Like, yeah. you're not going to have the same tendencies as if you're out in the world and you have free will and free reign. Right. I understand that that's different, but they still look at that with appeals. Like, model prisoner, he ended up getting his degree and he now helps other prisoners. And he's been apologizing for years. And he's constantly telling her parents, like, I, I know I can't change what I did. Yeah. But don't I get a second chance? Yeah. Because if you say no like morbid did which they kind of use a blanket statement they just were like well no you don't then then, yeah. then what's the point of trying to rehabilitate anyone and what's the point of the appeal process i can see both sides to this only because um well my that uncle i was talking about he went through all that and he he found god you mm-hmm. know because a lot of model prisoners that's what they do, they do. yeah and uh no comment <laughs> <laughs> and he got out and not more than like a year or two later he was a repeat offender right um and that's why they take previous offenses into account right and exactly he's probably back in nope prison dead who what is he nope <laughs> haven't caught him yet <laughs> oh shit <laughs> but we know it <laughs> I'm just saying that, but I what is he, prison, dead, what, what's wrong with me? I'm like, leaving that. just said that to you. No, I'm leaving that, because I don't give a shit about my uncle. Sorry, he's <laughs> like. such a dick thing for me to say. Like, he's he dead? Like. <laughs> he's dead to me. So insensitive. Sorry. He's dead to me. Um, oh, my, I'm leaving this in, because my mom's gonna fucking crack up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, like, obviously our system isn't perfect, but mm-hmm. yeah, I can see both sides. That's why everything's supposed to be a case-by-case basis. That's also why you're supposed to have... Well, on an appeal, you have a jury, right? Uh, it's like a... Yeah, it's a board of appeals. Okay. So there's like a small group. Okay. And you make a statement, or your lawyer does, and then the family can make a statement. Or the victims, or whoever. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's supposed to be an unbiased panel of people that, yeah. that decides, you know, okay, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go ahead and give you a second chance. Mm-hmm. So, it could be people that have your opinion, people that have the opinion of the morbid girls. Yeah. It's usually both sides. I mean, most of the time the victim's family isn't open for that. That's just how it is. Yeah. But when they said that, when they're like, well, no one cares that you're sorry. Well, then what the fuck's the point of apologizing? Because if he never apologized, that would look worse. Yeah. Even though he knows no one's listening. I, yeah. And I don't, I can't speak to him personally. And I can't, no one can guarantee that he wouldn't be a repeat offender. Yeah. But I, I still can't justify sentencing a 14 year old to life for this crime. Everything's a case-by-case basis. Had it been more premeditation, had there been 
something else or I don't want to say had it been worse because it was so it was it horrific was bad yeah but 14 I think it's a little crazy that they were able to put him as a 14 year old into the prison yeah with but he's tried as an adult so yes that's normal I think that's nuts we have to treat minors differently they are not adults small adults they're yeah. not I guess that's why there's a legal age of an adult which is 18, and some say it's 16, and I understand for, like, murder. Because 16 is very different. Yeah. But I, 14, 8, 10, that's not... How are you supposed to understand the consequences of your actions? I can agree with, with both sides. I know. It's so I hard, can, but that, this, I just think you have to look at it case by case, and you can't make blanket statements, Morbid. I feel like <sighs> this case is such a fine line between those two. Mm-hmm. I, I just, could argue this case for so long. Because I, I do see both sides. I understand, like, the sister's picture and and having her missing flyer yeah. in his room and saying that... But you also understand you know, the psychology right. behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would be different if he was 25. Yeah. The, giving the exact same crime, exact same timeline that he said happened, and he's 25, I feel completely different about it. Okay. But you should be, or usually are, more capable of understanding consequences of things and your actions. At that age, yeah. And impulse control and all sorts of stuff like that. Right. Because it is case by case. I think that our justice system has an issue with prosecuting minors, though. Yeah, I feel like... And I think that prosecutors and judges don't know how to handle the cases. They aren't equipped, so they always push to try them as adults. Yeah. Because then they, they kind of disassociate from their age and they're like i'm just gonna treat you as an adult because you did an adult crime and i'm like no (laughs) well that's even how it works with like therapy like with adults you can sit down and have a conversation uh with kids you actually play games with them yeah and you you have to like you decipher yeah yeah you kind of you you do these different sort of games and however they react you kind of take from that and say exactly okay like yeah because their brain just works differently your kid's not going to be like i have depression and anxiety because my parents are horrible no they're going to be like i just get sad i just oh you know like an adult will be like oh i'm an alcoholic because of this like yeah it's not the same i mean not all adults but but we are more aware of our situation even if we don't want to admit it yeah I don't know. I have a big problem with the way that we prosecute minors. That's my soapbox. Coming to my TED Talk. That was a good soapbox. I just, I get so irritated about that. I'm going to make you less mad (laughs) and frustrated with our new segment. Okay. Tell the people about it. Okay, so we came up with the idea one night when we were talking about episode ideas, and we thought that it would be better just to put in little snippets every week. It's just gonna be like a one to two minute little thing at the very end. So if you want to stay mad and you don't want a palate cleanser, go ahead and skip this. But this is just gonna be our our palate cleanser at the end of, of every episode. We're gonna have weird laws in the United States. We're gonna have tips you should know if you do get arrested mm-hmm. um ways to not get murdered oh i like that <laughs> one okay another <laughs> one okay so i looked up a few weird laws okay because i think some of these are so fucking stupid <laughs> <laughs> so this one comes from washington y'all are weird 
Always. So this one is, it's illegal to kill Bigfoot. In 1969, Washington passed a law deeming the slaying of Bigfoot to be a felony and punishable by five years in prison. The law was amended, designating Bigfoot as an endangered species. (laughs) That's the most Washington shit I've ever heard. I know. That is so... (laughs) Washington. For the record, my boyfriend's from Washington, and my sister's boyfriend, and his friends, and so I know a lot of people from Washington, and that's just, I feel like I would, they'd be like, describe Washington, Washingtonians to me, be like, Bigfoot. They made it illegal to kill Bigfoot. <laughs> they labeled so him, need to know. And he, they labeled him as an endangered species. Fucking love it. So I just, I thought that was You know who's an hilarious. endangered species in Washington? People. <laughs> You know how many serial killers they have up there? And the suicide rates in, in so Washington. Hard. Sorry. We love you, Washington. <laughs> but I thought that was Stay so safe funny. Out there. Don't kill Bigfoot. I was sitting there reading these and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, right, give me one more. Oh, one more. Oh. Okay, this one I, I thought was interesting. Uh, comes from Vermont. And Vermont said it's illegal to prohibit clotheslines. The law forbids regulations that prohibit clotheslines or other energy devices based on renewable resources. What does that mean? So, like, basically, (laughs) if you have something that doesn't, like, use electricity, like, if it saves electricity, you can't for you can't say oh no you can't hang clotheslines because like in my hoa you can't have a clothesline you can't have anything that passes like your fence so like even like a trampoline like you can't fuck a hoas you i know you live in the middle of nowhere i hate hoas so much don't tell me how to live my life i bought this house oh my mom she has this like tree or cactus or something that's like pushing her roof up But she has to have a tree in her front yard, so. What? Where do... I want to go to one of these meetings. I know. Where do these HOA people... They sit around, they're like, what's the most ridiculous thing you can think of? Like, it made a toy for a tree. Oh, I was changing... I'm the bitch that leaves my Christmas lights up all year. I don't fuck with HOAs. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was changing my brakes, and I had my car up on a jack for, like, 30 minutes, and the HOA pulled around, took a picture of my car, and sent me a fine. They said... They said, um, your, your driveway is not a garage. You can't fix your car there. What? Yeah. Isn't that stupid? It's, you can't... Sir. <laughs> Sir. That... Why do you live here? That makes me so mad. Oh, the HO is fucking awful. You can't tell me what to do with my life. Why? Who made this a rule? Why are HOAs a thing? I'm gonna look this up. Why are they even a thing where H- they can tell you, you paid for your house and they can tell you what the fuck to do with it? HOAs are basically to keep your, um, like your neighborhood, whoa, neighborhood, <laughs> your neighborhood looking nice. Um, so like if you go drive like to downtown Mesa, things be looking a mess. Okay, like I get that for reasonable things, but not like I'm changing a tire or my oil or something like things. I'm going to be here for 30 minutes. Things be looking a mess. A mess. <laughs> um, anywho. Well, yeah, I hope you liked the episode. Sorry if I got ranty. I just... I could see why you got mad. ranty. Yeah. And I still love you, Morbid. They probably hate us. They're probably not... Well, they're never gonna listen to it. But. Ash liked one of my things. <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh, wait. Let me give a shout out. I started Give Us Morgue. Aren't they so good? I'm upset. I'm convinced that they are our doppelgangers, personality-wise. Oh. Okay. They, okay. like, literally remind 
me of us. That's cute. And I want to collab with them so bad. Let's reach out. Fucking hilarious. Let's reach out. We should. They We're like literally out. make the same jokes. I started listening to their and they just started like right before we did. Yeah. It's like June twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, they called John Liss a pussy and I fucking <laughs> lost it. And um I can't I don't know which ones are which right now because I'm only listening to like four episodes. But the one one of them, um, with like the thick Irish accent, uh-huh. she was like, He's a fucking loser. What a pussy. That's a pussy move, John. And I was cracking up. Why so can't hard. I say things like that? I try you and say can. Th- I literally was like, We this is the jokes that we make. I try and say things like that and she goes, Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> you said he Jeffrey Dahmered that bitch. You can't say that. You do not say things like that. You're so much worse. Leasing. That was our episode. I hope you liked our palate cleanser. Um, because I thought that was ridiculous. Washington, you scare me. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at morbidlyintoxicatedpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Morbidly Intoxicated Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Morbidly Intoxicated Pod. And you can also follow us on our new Twitter page uh, at Morbidly Intox, I-N-T-O-X. Thank you to Kelly Carroll for our amazing artwork. You can follow her on Instagram at Art by Kelly, Kelly spelt with an I. Big shout out to my friend Taylor Hertz, who did our fantastic theme music. You can find him at his website, spelled T-A-Y-L-O-R-H-E-R-T-Z dot com. And thank you to Javi Romero for our awesome photographs. You can follow him on Instagram at orange underscore Javi, spelled J-A-V-I-E. Again, thank you guys so much. Uh, If you'd like to leave us a review, that would be awesome. It would help us out a lot. Go ahead and share this with your friends. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye.